0: it's time for some cheap talk you're listening to trick chat
1: hello kitties it's so good to see you again and welcome to another episode of cheap talk with trick chat the name so confusing that we don't even say it all the way welcome to cheap talk i'm joined by BJ cramp
2: hello there ladies and gentlemen
1: of the Rock and or Roll podcast, and Cheap Talk. And we uh, have another combatant here, Mr. David Kaczynski. Hello. Are you ready to rock? We certainly are. <laughs> well, we recently celebrated an anniversary of a very cool album from Cheap Trick. On October 24, 1980, the album All Shook Up was released. And that is our topic of today's Cheap Talk. BJ, overall, what do you think about the album?
2: Okay, well, I tried to look at this with some perspective, mm-hmm. and I realized that, all right, if All Shook Up was an album by one of the many bands that released one or two albums, you know, between 1979 and, like, 1982, when hundreds of bands were signed in the wake of, you know, the Knack and the Cars, and all these, ba- all these like, post-punk, power-pop, new-wavy, even hard-rock bands... If All Shook Up was now by one of those like more obscure bands, I own hundreds of records, like The Brains, Sinceros, Rubber City Rebels, Single Bullet Theory, Starfighters. I've you know, I have tons of records by all these bands. And if All Shook Up was a record by one of those bands, I would love it. I would rave about it. I'd go on and on about it. You know, but it's a cheap trick album and if I take it in context of the re- of the cheap trick albums, like the four albums that came before it and the three after. I don't, I don't like it nearly as much as those seven records. Hmm. Um, it's a great album, and I like it a lot. But you know, it's definitely my least favorite pre-Doctor Cheap Trick album. Ah,
1: Mr. David Kaczynski.
3: I just realized something that when you saying that this uh, Looking came out October twenty fourth, nineteen eighty. My birthday is October twenty seventh, and I just remembered that I got this for my birthday in nineteen eighty. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, awesome. So this was the third Cheap track record I got. I got Budokan first, and then uh, Dream Please had come out, and then I, I got this record. And I like this better than uh, Dream Please as a whole. Uh, and I kind of look at it almost as Dream Please Part 2, except for the productions so It obviously is vastly different, but I think uh, there was a lot of the orchestration kind of thing um, going on uh, but this is uh, one that kind of pushed me, uh, I think, with some more of my birthday money. Now, if I'm remembering correctly, because I went and bought records after that. Uh, I believe in Color and Heaven Tonight maybe were purchased. Hmm. But, um, th- you know, this being the third one, I really liked it. I mean, I think the first four tracks just out of the gate are amazing. And uh, I even like Who King. So... Uh, I-, I always like this record off the top. Baby loves to rock uh, was always a long time one of my favorite. I think until I got the first Cheap Trick record with He's a whore. Uh, even though Baby Loves to Rock, it kind of seems like it's two different songs that are kind of smashed together. But I love the riff in the in the chorus. So always one of my favorites from when I got it and to this day. So
1: I noticed that there's a definite uh, departure from in uh, Rick's songwriting. Is that fair to say, BJ? there's there's a there's a bit of a marked difference
2: i'd agree with yeah, that especially the first three albums but then even dream police they sort of came from the same pool of songs right you know if you think about it all shook up is the first cheap trick album that's they start from scratch mm-hmm. you know cuz even on dream police there's at least a couple of songs you know, supposedly the song Dream Police, you know, had its origins in the very early years of the band. I've never been, heard anything. It, uh, supposedly there was a song called Dream Police, you know, way back in, like, 75 or something. But I think it was a lot different. You know, I think definitely was rewritten. But, um, and, you know, I'll Be With You Tonight, that's an amalgamation of two of the earliest Cheap Trick songs. um, What, Hot Tomato and a song called Tonight. And I don't know about if anything else on Dream Police came from pieces of songs that Rick had already, but you know All Shook Up is definitely the first album that they're just starting from scratch and I think that's part of the reason that it's different.
1: I look at this album as a bridge from the old Cheap Trick sound to the to what they would become. Like, for example, I songs that I could hear from their back catalog prior to this I that, that, that I could hear appearing on this album is like The House is Rocking. I could hear that on this album. Yeah. Then I could also hear things like I Won't Be Man on this album as well so it's sure. kind of like a uh, bridge album t- for me does that make sense yeah uh, yeah I, I can see that i would I, I, I could agree with that
2: yeah i won't be man would probably make more sense on All will shook up then on one-on-one on One, Oh, really. i
1: agree 100 <laughs> because it's it's kind of weird so definitely the band was looking forward and kind of stepping away from the hard rock roots and kind of seeing what was coming in the 80s in a sense
2: that might be part of it you know whatever I don't I'm not sure where what Rick was thinking if he was thinking of trying to anticipate where things were going in the 80s or not it does kind of feel that way yeah it really
3: does That makes George Martin an odd choice as a producer.
2: Absolutely. That's true, yeah. It's really weird that Cheap Trick were produced by George Martin and All Shook Up was the product of that. It is strange. If you said, what do you think a Cheap Trick album produced by George Martin would sound like, you wouldn't (laughs) describe it the way you would describe All Shook Up.
1: I would think more like Heaven Tonight, to be honest with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot Uh, of needly stuff on that album as well.
3: it, It seems to me the production accents a lot of the and a lot of what i like about cheap trick is uh... the combination of pop and heavy and then there's also this weird creepy element it seems like george martin's production really accented the kind of dark creepier aspect of everything because it's definitely the darkest record um, you know even with like dream please is is kind of a creepy song but the production it's it's a bright and kind of fun thing where i don't think you get as much even like with love comes a tumble comes a tumbling down it isn't a bright, you know. It's a, it's a little more upbeat and all that, but it still has that dark kind of feel, which I think has to do a lot with the production.
2: Well, one one quote that I found in Mike Hayes's book that Rick said he said the record was an interpretation of the '50s without being a rockabilly album, '1950s with um, '1980s tendencies. That's what he's. Hmm. But I think that's kind of an after-the-fact looking back at it. I don't think. He sat down to write the songs thinking this is going to be an interpretation of the 50s. I don't know.
3: Well, I think the difference also with, with George Martin in the book, it also said that he had, you know, as a producer, went in and said, hey, how about trying this chord here instead of that? And, and that may be just some of the differences between, because this really stands out between the records as, as different sounding. So maybe that's some of uh, Mark, George Martin's influence on uh, uh, production-wise on what they should do songwriting.
1: If if the album is an interpreta- an 80s interpretation of the 50s, it's kind of strange that you get George Martin for that. Let's talk a little bit about the album cover. It was designed by some aspiring graphic artist, uh, Ricky Nielsen. Yeah, Rick Nielsen designed this album cover. What do you guys think of the album cover and uh, sleeve and all that? What do you think of it?
3: I always um, thought it was really
1: odd. Yeah, uh, uh, I odd is a good qu- word.
3: Mm-hmm. I wasn't quite sure. I mean, I think it's definitely... You know, it looks very 80s, you know, uh, the collage kind of aspect of it. Um, and it really, and for Cheap Trick, for I think what has been said before, was a, a, a departure. And Robin's standing over the train tracks with his legs, spread I'm not quite sure what, what that is. And the train coming through the door. Yeah, I'm not quite like, sure.
2: It seems like he's shielding his crotch from the oncoming train. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love Robin's outfit, and Rick's outfit is pretty cool, and that was at Rick's Picks. actually got to see that. Bunny <laughs> looks awesome, but Tom looks kind of ridiculous, like he's on Miami Vice or something.
1: Again, well, a, th- a, a, a nod to the what was to come in the 80s, kind of.
3: Yeah. Well, I don't know how much, you know, he has one foot out the door already, so it's kind it's of... It's weird that the other guys are all
2: in black, and then Tom is in whatever. Is that even pink? <laughs> Very light color or white, but... um. Yeah, Tom. You know the other guys look cool, and then Tom just looks kind of dorky. But
1: well, I always wondered if the blonde was supposed to be Dagmar that you see throughout the album. Just (laughs) hover. She's hovering over the sessions. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Rick says in a little bit of an interview that I'm going to play here that each one of the things that you see is symbolic of a song title. I'll let Rick talk right now.
4: Ah, here's all shook up. This is a cool. And we did this with George Martin. And um, down in, uh, we did it in Montserrat in the West Indies, and then finished it in, in London at Air Studios. And this one is cool. I, I designed the cover on here, and I was only asked to do one, and maybe it's because it was whatever. I'll
2: flip that back over. Walk, walk me through the design. What were you thinking uh, Well,
4: that? I was inspired by a guy that I know named uh, Ozzy Litchfield. And he named uh, one of his kids uh, Xander Nielsen Litchfield, so you know he's crazy to start with. and. Uh, so this is uh, this is different song titles. Go for the throat. She's this woman strangling this man, and uh, I don't remember all the other stuff. But just, if you if you got me in a, a dance to the drummer, or I, I, don't, I don't even remember what the titles of the songs are. But it it, it made sense back then.
1: <laughs> Any particular reason?
4: I have no idea. Come on, I mean, I'm never supposed. To, I'm not supposed to know anything. I'm just supposed to do it. And that's what I do.
1: So, for example, you see the uh, the uh, guy being choked by the blonde woman. That's go for the throat, for example. Uh, love comes tumbling. You see where Robin, like, falls to the ground. So, doing a
2: tumbling routine. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: And then there's the high priest of rhythmic, rhythmic noise uh, with, the, like, the choir. And then you have Darth Vader with his Ryan. arms up, which is kind of weird that Darth Vader would appear and you would have think Lucas would have said, "Ah, you guys aren't doing that nowadays." That might happen, but uh, back then, that was kind of shocking to see Darth Vader turn up on the inside of a cheap trick album, and he's standing there and over Bunny, and that's kind of like who's the king? I would imagine so. So there's there's meaning behind each of those little scenarios, if you will.
2: Yeah, some of them are a stretch. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But like the there was an ad for the album that had the woman holding the baby, which is kind of on the inside of the thing, and it had, like, laser yeah. beams coming out of its eyes to the All Shook Up album cover. That's Baby Loves to Rock, because, you know, it's a baby, <laughs> and they're rocking, so... You get the idea now. So yeah. Make up your own interpretations, and tell us all about them on Cheap Talk, the <laughs> Facebook page. So, there we go. But it's a, it's a pretty cool record, and as Rick said... Uh, they, the record company asked him to do it and they never asked again, so... But that's Rick's sense of humor <laughs> more than anything I would imagine. So let's play this thing. The album starts out with a drone, and Beatle fans uh, would be familiar with this because uh, it is similar to the one that ends in A Day in a Life off Sgt. Pepper. Well, it kind of. If, if you play that and play this together, it almost kind of seems like one track.
2: Yeah, and Mike um, my- Hayes points out in the book that um, George Martin uses the same overlaid piano effect that he used on a day in the life on this song um, they describe how he, how he did it in the book oh, just wow. kind of playing one note and then waiting a certain amount of time and playing it again and then it just kind of uh, creates that effect I guess it's the same thing he did in a day in the life mm-hmm. so
1: well let's check out the track uh, side one Track 1, Stop This Game. Gentlemen, what do you think about Stop This Game? BJ?
2: I like it, but I don't think it's great. We talked about it on... um, I know we talked about it on another episode. Well, oh, the soundtrack one when we were talking about Everything Works If You Let It because I always thought it was weird that 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 song and this song don't have any harmony vocals. Right. And I I wish there were some harmony vocals on the chorus. They're both great songs, but um, I guess Stop This Game is the only one that's not just a... Well, besides Who the King... It's the only one that's not just Rick Nielsen. Um, and it says in the book that Robin came up with the basic idea and the hook mm. for the song. And, and
1: This is Robin's yeah, co-write on this album.
2: Yeah, right. And um, I like it. I don't think I like it as much as a lot of other Cheap Trick fans like it, but there you have it.
1: <laughs> well, it's, to me, it's a weird opener for an album.
2: Oh, and it was written in Montserrat, like, when it was written after they were already there recording the album, too. I probably, I think, Only This and Love Comes a Tumbling Down, those two were written, like, in the studio.
0: Thank you. Thank you all very much.
3: Nice to be back here at the Hammersmith Odeon. Uh, The next few songs we're going to do, well, we're going to do some new songs and some old songs, so we... We got a bunch of good ones coming up for you here. The first one is called Stop This Game.
0: Well, I can't stop. I've before Now I do
1: you think of this track stop this game
3: uh this is one of my favorite cheap trick songs uh <laughs> i love it i love the percussive uh staccato thing and the intro and the whole feel and i i really like it as an opener is it's kind of a different and instead of blasting out of the gate kind of lulls you in and this was the first time when i heard that that i associated cheap trick with the beatles uh you know being younger i'm like huh this kind of sounds like beatles to me and went back and listened, and like, oh yeah. So, that was kind of uh, the first dissociation for me, but I love this song. Uh, the bass playing, I love the whole, the bass parts through the whole song. Uh, I think it's great.
1: Now, you mentioned bass. BJ, is there any way of knowing which tracks Tom plays bass on, or does he play on all of them, or is, do we have any information about that?
2: Hmm. I'm trying to remember now. I don't think so. I don't, Oh, well, I know that Rick plays on Baby Loves to Rock. Yeah. But otherwise, it's probably Tom on most of the record. Um, It was just all done in Montserrat. The thing about Tom is that they did go to England
4: and, And I guess,
2: do more recording, and Tom did not go for that. But I think probably, you know, they probably did the bass and drums first. It was probably all done in Montserrat, and it's probably mostly all Tom. But, not, yeah, I know it says in the book that Rick played the bass on Baby Loves to Rock.
3: And the bass on this sounds to me like Tom playing.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Just. And, you that. know,
2: it's a very ambitious song, and um, it's great live. But what do you think about the lack of harmony vocals, Dave? Do you... Uh,
3: you know, I never, until you said it, I never thought about it. Um, For me, it's kind of a, like the a different feel, the change in the songwriting, like we were talking about. Um... I like that—that that it was it was different from what I had heard, and maybe that's it because it was the first song. Uh, but the lack of harmony vocals doesn't bother me. I know that's a a big thing for you with the cheap trick stuff, but for me, it's—I don't miss it. I don't know. I'm gonna have to go and listen to it an, and an envision harmony vocals on it if it would make it better, but I uh, I don't miss them.
1: And and that was the single, right, B J?
2: Yeah, that was the first single.
1: Yeah, with
2: Hootie King on the B side. <laughs>
1: What song which you...
2: um who the king was originally supposed to be just the b-side according to bunny
1: and it wasn't going to be on the album
2: i there was at least one tom peterson song apparently two tom peterson songs that might have been on the record you know if he had Machine stayed in the band money. so that's probably why who the who the king ended up on there
1: yeah machines, um, and they make, took money, machines and make money and yeah and what else
2: Uh there was a song called Sleep Closes In that I read about but I've never heard it or anything.
1: Yeah, me neither, sadly. But
2: I supposedly that was also, you know, like considered for inclusion on the record or something like that.
1: If you were to pick a single to play on the album, what would you have picked off this album? Since Stop This Game was the single, what would you have picked instead?
2: You know, that's one thing about this album is it doesn't have that single that well you know, I think of about sometimes it's interesting where a band has a, a choke or clutch moment in their career where if they come out with the right single and the right album, they could just rock it, you know, to to the stratospheres, you know, become superstars. Right. This but, is and that... I think sort of, I mean, I like this album a lot, but I think it's kind of a choke moment. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you know, I think Cheap Trick were positioned with the right single on the right album to really go places. And this wasn't the right album with the right single. There's not a song in this album, I don't think, that it would have been that single to, you right. know...
1: World's Greatest Lovers is kind of too slow. It's 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 not voices enough, if you will. Uh, and Baby Loves to Rock would be, to me, a good second single, or third single. But not, not a good one out of the gate. What about you? Well, it's, it's interesting,
2: when they were on Saturday Night Live, they did... Baby loves to rock and can't stop it. They didn't do stop this game, right? You know, which was the single. So
3: that's that's strange.
1: Very strange.
3: I think the the dark nature of the whole record really doesn't lend itself to singles, except for Baby Loves to Rock, maybe. So,
1: but you know what? One thing that really sucks about this, and people don't really think about this too much, but with Dream Police, we had four videos. None from this album. Could you imagine a video of Stop This Game with them in those outfits running around a train station that looks like Berlin or something, and a blonde chasing, you know, Robin or something? It would have been, like, amazing. Why no videos?
3: Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Considering they're at the peak, you figure the record company would have thrown the
1: money that way, but... The only thing I can think of is that all of a sudden we don't have Tom, and they had to scramble to find somebody to fill that gap, and with all the nonstop touring and the personnel changes, they just kind of pushed. Well, down. and the
3: e- the EP is coming out at the same time, pretty much too. So yeah, that's
1: yeah. That that came out in the spring, if I remember right.
3: Yeah, yeah. but it was I believe it was all done right. Well, the some of that time. stuff, the live stuff, yeah. is older. But the studios, yeah, they recorded that
2: stuff in January of '80. When they recorded, they recorded all that stuff at the same with Jack Douglas. Uh, it was a publishing demo, supposedly. That's when they recorded you know, Such a Good Girl and Take Me, I'm Yours, but also that's when they did, like, um, Oh Boy with the vocals and some of the stuff that's on the box set, like I Need Love, and um, some of the other older songs, like Loser, and some of those songs that have made it out on bootlegs and stuff, like um, Ain't Got You and Loser and I Was a Fool, and all all those songs, too. They did all that, supposedly, at the same... That's what Bunny says. They recorded all that at the same time in January of '80. (laughs)
1: If there were another song to open up this album, what would it be?
2: Well, Just Got Back would make sense as an opener.
3: Yeah, I think that it just got back to me. It's almost weird. It's kind of like part two of of the of "Stop This Game." So I don't know if that works coming out of the gate as mm-hmm. the song itself. I mean, title-wise, yes, but the song itself, I don't know if that that would work there. Well, well, Ken, what do you what do
2: you think of "Stop This Game"?
1: Well, I think it's a great track. I don't like it as the album opener, if you will, but. Off of this album, I really don't know what else would work. I would have liked to have had Everything Works If You Let It be the opener for this album.
0: Yeah, I think
1: that yeah. if that. I would have been that. On this album, I would agree. It would have been a much better album, and I think it would have been received a lot better. And I think it would have made a little bit more sense thematically as well.
3: Uh, I, I agree with that. I, I think that song's better than everything on the record, probably. But uh, I could see that, yeah. Yeah. But isn't it weird that that song doesn't have harmony vocals?
2: (laughs) I don't know. Is it just me? I just well, you're. you're, I love that song, but it's just you're
1: just all caffeinated. Is it George Martin
2: that you know? I don't (laughs) understand. It's just weird, but
1: um, I don't know. I don't know why they chose to do that because to me it's always been a strong part of their musical uh, weaponry. You know that that they have though that so makes no sense to me. Well, as much as I love Stop This Game, the next track, track 2, Just Got Back is a welcome change because it's a rocker. And I know that all sh- uh, Stop This Game is a rocker, but this is just a straight, I mean, drums, hitches, smack right in the face, here we go. Plus, I also like the fact that it's got that dark edge. It sounds like the guy just got out of prison for doing something very, very naughty, and uh, he Just Got Back. it's a great track what do you think of it uh mr kaczynski
3: uh love the drums i love the song i love it coming out of uh stop this game and i think it works really well together this is one of the albums i tend to always listen to as a whole Mm -hmm. but uh i think it's great where it is coming out of there um but now i think about it i this is it never gets picked out like if i'm you know doing whatever the ipod thing and Throwing a bunch of cheap trick songs to listen to i don't think this ever gets picked but uh i love it with stop this game
1: that's weird because i'm kind of on the other side of things i almost look as just got back and track three baby loves to rock is one song almost. Huh? does that make yeah, any I have sense the, to you yeah
3: i have i have the other way where it's like stop this game and it kind of <laughs> goes into there and it's like okay it, it's almost like a movie kind of thing for me that it goes yeah. together but yeah i can see that too
1: it is now official you are the other me <laughs> the, the, uh, the the anti-Ken and I'm the anti-David um, Anyway, <laughs> BJ what do you think of Just Got Back
2: yeah I love it I think it's awesome but it's a really basic simple song yeah. but it's great
1: but I could see this being on an earlier release either on right. Dream Police or maybe in color or something or even on the first album to me
3: mm, to yeah me. I could see the first album maybe I think that it's kind of get yeah, that it's, it's different and I think the drumming is kind of what does that the the real kind of tribally drumming that yeah exactly
1: that. yeah there you go I think the drums really tie it in there plus the the nice thing is as much as I'm a huge huge Beatle fan and anyone that knows me knows that it was great to hear Cheap Trick embrace their inner Beatle but for some reason Stop This Game just doesn't do it for me I was glad to hear Cheap Trick on this album, on this track do you know what I'm saying it's like oh okay yeah this is Cheap Trick
3: yeah, I can see that. That that it's,
1: it's not as experimental, if you will. It's
3: not as yeah. It's not as orchestrated. It's not. A, it's a lot more straightforward and to the point. Yeah. And the
2: the bridge of the song is awesome. Um, whatever he says about solitary Sam, or <laughs> I love that part of the song. Really great.
1: And this reminds me of the '80s, like what was going to come. Just that part right there, what you're talking about. You know calypso is it really insane or whatever yeah yeah. that this almost could be off of again one-on-one as a result because it's it 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 leans that way lyrically in a sense
2: only rick only a songwriter like rick nielsen would take a a song for that kind of a turn and have it work so well Mm. um it's just awesome it's that's rick nielsen's songwriting that's the best you know a, a perfect example of how great he was He's great. He is, as a songwriter.
1: He's great, but so. he's also a troubled genius, in a sense. And and let me, let me kind of roll this out. I remember when we talked about the flame. There's a lot of people that love the flame, a lot of people don't like the flame, and some people that hate the flame. But one of the arguments is that the flame does not have that sinister, psychotic twist to it that, like, for example, Voices does, and even this song has. And this song could have been a flat, straight out rocker, but it's like, I remember playing this for people, and they are like, oh, this is really cool, and then it gets to the part with, you know, Sam and Calypso, and people be like, I don't get that. Whereas, like, ACDC would be like, oh yeah, we're gonna drink some more! You know what I mean? They're, they're, they're on about uh, Calypso, and sam so it's like that makes no sense to me as a rock fan you know for your average pedestrian guy that's at a party and you're saying listen to this album guys it it uh it doesn't make sense you know what i'm saying
3: yes exactly and that's why i don't like the flame because it doesn't have that what i love about cheap trick is not there but yeah the, the weird factor that's i think part of the lure for cheap trick is it's just not the same as everyone else that there's a sinister aspect a dark aspect but yet, it's catchy as catchy hell.
1: Well, let's move to track three, "Baby Loves to Rock." What do you guys think of that? I
2: like it, but um, it's pretty generic. I think, to me, Rick Nielsen can write "Just Got Back" and "Baby Loves to Rock" in his sleep. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think he could just sit down with a guitar for ten minutes and have "Baby Loves to Rock." You know yep. what I mean? But yeah, I like it a lot. But it is, it's really basic, you know, simple song.
1: And, and I love how, again, the, the Beatles thing, it, um, they, they kind of do the good morning thing. You know, where, like, if you're listening to the Beatles' good morning, good morning off of Sgt. Pepper's, you hear, like, the roosters and all this stuff in the trampling animals. And so there's that towards the end of the song. And also, uh, the bridge to Baby Loves to Rock features the line, not in Russia. With the sound of an airplane in the background, a subtle reference to back in the USSR. So another Beatle, another Beatle moment brought to you by Cheap Trick. To me, I love Just Got Back and Baby Loves to Rock. It's a great one-two punch. There's a lot of great energy to the song. And I, it's it's one I like to play like when I'm driving in the car.
0: Please welcome Cheap Trick! <laughs> My mom! Well, I'm a thinking about love Love ain't all I'm a thinking of well, Some people do And some people die
3: Baby loves to rock. Chorus is, is possibly one of my favorite. Pe- like, if you had to just take parts of songs out of Cheap Trick, I that chorus I love. I love the descending guitar line, how the vocal goes with it, everything. Uh, it seems a bit smushed together. They don't. There's not a great transition between the verse and chorus parts. Um, yeah. But uh, the chorus just blows me away. So this was my favorite Cheap Trick song. Uh, for a long while, um, and again, this uh, with stop this game kind of giving me that Beatles feel. When I got to this, I was like, "Oh yeah, back in the USSR," which was my favorite Beatles song at the time because it was, you know, a lot more rocking. Um, but yeah, I think chorus-wise, uh, there's not anything that you shouldn't like about this because I just I love it. And driving in a car, yes, this is a this is a good one for singing to have people look at you like you're crazy. Uh, while which, driving along, so
1: which I'm sure all three of us are used to that, um, and, <laughs> and I love the the instrumental break with uh, guitar and the bass answering, you know, calling mm-hmm. back. Yeah, and that's forth fantastic. Kind of Even though it's sadly Rick playing bass on it, I in my mind it's still Tom playing bass on it, but it doesn't really <laughs> sound like Tom, for whatever reason.
3: Well, uh, because it's a descending thing that Rick tends to do with the guitar, so exactly,
1: yeah. exactly. It's it's, but I love it. Nonetheless,
3: yeah, no, it's great. I love it too. Fantastic idea.
1: See, it's weird because I remember being, well, I, I remember being a lot younger than I am now when this came out. But, you know, I would I would put the headphones on and listen to all these things and like wonder if other people were picking up on these beatalisms and things like that. It's good to know that uh, now with the internet we can all share our insanity. So it's good. Well, let's move on to track four. Uh, they wanted to stop this game but they can't stop it but robin's still going to try what do you guys think of can't stop it but i'm going to try
4: once again here is cheap trick <laughs>
3: I think it's a great song for after baby loves the rock again as i said in the beginning the first four songs i think i think they're great all together how they put them together it has a dark thing but then I get like with the title can't stop but it but you're gonna keep trying uh I just like I, I, the placement of it the tempo how that fits with the rest of the record i like it a lot it's uh I go back to this one a lot bj yeah this is my favorite
2: song on the record and you know if if just got back and baby loves the rock are kind of rick writing in his sleep this is a great example of you know rick nielsen's brilliance and just originality and creativity and you know there's just nothing else that sounds like this this is a cheap trick song this is a rick nielsen song kind of seems to me like it might be one of those songs that had a couple different parts that were written separately and then worked yeah. together
1: like for example when it transitions like, here comes this feeling this feeling and yeah it stops yeah which is but
2: this is a this is a cheap trick song. There's nothing else. Who else sounds like this? You know. We also got yeah, a yeah. Like out. I said, it's my favorite on the
3: album.
1: We also have to give a shout out to one of the best voices in music, Mr. Robin Zander. He just kills on this track. He delivers. I, well, he, he delivers on the whole damn album.
3: I was just gonna say the same thing. Like Zander is great on this. Yeah.
1: Robin Zander is one of the few people that you can post on a Kiss uh, message board and say who's a better singer. Paul Stanley or Robin Zander, and Robin Zander pretty much took it.
3: Well, that's good. Robin well, Zander for me is the greatest vocalist. Yeah, of all I time mean,
1: for me. So, I
2: mean, come on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he really is great. So we love you, Robin. You know,
2: Paul. You know, Paul Stanley has one voice. Robin Zander has what, a <laughs> hundred? It's right. insane. Like and, I've always said, I think Rick Nielsen always, when he wrote a song, he played Robin's voice like another instrument. It freed Rick up to write whatever he wanted because he always knew that Robin was going to be able to do it no matter what it was. Right. And and that's what's so amazing about the band, you know? Well, you
3: talk about the the harmony vocals too, and Rick's weird voice works great with Robin's voice. Oh, yeah. That's another,
2: yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, that's one of my favorite things about Cheap Trick is probably Rick Nielsen in the background being insane. Like, what the hell is he doing? Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's so many times where. You know he's in the you you hardly even notice it and you're like wait a minute what the hell is he doing?
1: <laughs> but well,
2: that's he's... just another of the great things about Cheap Trick.
1: One of the things that I like about Cheap Trick is that they would do little naughty things. Like for example, and my baby loves to all night long. But we had to like fill in the blanks what the all night long was what she liked to do. And same thing uh, in this track um, where it says till the last time that we. Robin yeah. pauses.
3: Talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think even the pause with the you know, can't stop, and then loving you, baby. Uh, oh, see, I've never put that, to... that
1: together. Wow, Dave, good call. This is a reason. Yeah, to... Rick,
3: Rick says that this is a
2: song about sex and drugs. <laughs> wow. So,
1: yeah, it makes sense.
3: Yeah. Wow.
1: Good call. That's the reason you're on the softball team, David.
3: <laughs> I try.
1: Side one closes out with World's Greatest Lover So let's talk about the world's greatest lover. Now, was this a single at all? Because you would have thought it would have been.
2: According to the Wikipedia discography, "World's Greatest Lover" was released as a single and did not chart. So,
1: <laughs> Canada's love and cheap trick here, because stop this game. Huda King went to 48 in the U.S. and number six in Canada. And "World's Greatest Lover," high priest of rhythmic noise, nothing.
2: Nothing. Not a
1: yeah. a blip. Nothing. Not even a.
2: Well, I'm sure this is going to be an unpopular opinion, but for some reason, I just don't really like it very much. Um, it's You know, so it's not applauding. a bad song, but it's just not some... I just don't... It doesn't really do it for me. I don't know why. Uh, I think it's part of just that word lover. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't like... The, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I just don't like it that much. I mean, it's not even close to as good as, like, Voices or If You Want My Love or, you know, but... I'm sure that's going to be a very unpopular opinion.
1: (laughs) You know, you you mentioned you don't like the lover in the world's greatest lover. I'd like to see somebody take that song and get a bunch of clips from the old SNL skits with uh, Rachel Dratch and Will Ferrell, where they were like in the hot tub with people talking about putting, uh, you know, various beefs and cheese and spices when they do their lovemaking with their lover. Yeah, you're right. And that was the kind really of the point. Kind of the point of that
2: those sketches was that that word just makes you uncomfortable. Yeah, well... <laughs> that was kind of the punchline. And, yeah. and I guess that's just what it's about with that song. Part of it for me too is just lava.
3: It's just like ooh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like moist and moist, whatever other word you want. Yeah, lava.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good point. Right yeah. now, people are turning off the show in droves. So <laughs> right there. <laughs> I can't hear Moist or Lover again. I like the parts about where it says, as I sit and write this letter, it makes it think about like it's uh, a guy at war, you know. Writing. Yeah,
2: Rick, he says in the book it was written from the perspective of a guy writing a love letter to his girlfriend, like sitting in a foxhole mm-hmm. in World War One. Oh, and also Rick says uh, he wrote it 10 years ago, about 10 years ago, so that's what he says, and that would have been in 1980 when he said that. But then he mm-hmm. said he wrote it as at the same time as I want you to want me. So I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. But uh, it was. It seems like he wrote it. He he claims he wrote it. You know, a long time before they did it. But it had never. You know, they had never performed it Memories. live or anything like that that I know of.
1: Memories are funny things. Well, who's gonna rip World's Greatest Lover out like you're doing? She's a whore, and you're you're cooking. <laughs> you know, right and left. And, and now we're gonna slow it down unbelievably with this song. You know, it just—it's not gonna work. It's—it's it's a good song, and I love the fact that it has like a Lennon kind of a vibe to it. You know what I mean? And Robin's vocals are very reminiscent of John Lennon's in this at, at times. And I love Rick's version of it that he sings on Silver. I think that's really cool. It's but,
2: on. There's a demo on the box set too. With yeah, Rick's yeah, singing. yeah. Definitely. Except my CD is flawed, and that that song just skips and shit. And it happened from when I first opened it, when I first got it. So you didn't take it back. No, I didn't take it back. <laughs> oh, my. Good point, but I I don't know why, but. Uh... Oh my. So I've never really listened to it very much. That his version very much. Did you guys
1: yeah. ever have this happen to you? Like when, especially when albums would come out. You know, like you 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 get an album. And it, it, you maybe picked it up at Goodwill or you know any used flea market kind of thing, and you would get it and and like one track would skip, but you'd listen to it that way anyway, and then like later you'd hear that song come on the radio and you'd be like the skip's not there, you know it just it sounded different, you know what I mean? You actually yeah. almost got used to that.
3: Yeah, dream, dream Police was that for me, in the in the big uh, crescendo part, mine skipped and it was like a lock groove right there. <laughs>
1: At least he didn't do the thing that he did in Everything Works, if you let it where he goes. He's the world's, world's greatest at the work that he does. It, that always was like... That's, <laughs> Rick, were you lazy during that one? Come on. He's the world's, world's, you know, greatest. It's just... It's kind of a... So it could have been worse, you know. He's the world's, world's greatest lover, so it could have been worse. But uh, if you look at the inner sleeve, you'll see the... Uh, Rick's visual interpretation of this. It's got a guy who's, like, getting his brow rubbed by a woman. You can't see her face. And he's got, a uh, like, a beauty pageant banner uh, across his chest that says, world's greatest lover. And the guy looks like he, he's so weak he can't even stand up. So she's been... Um, well, I guess she loves to rock, so you figure it out, folks. From the last time that they <laughs> talked.
2: And that that's a very subtle interpretation of... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Just put a banner that says "World's Greatest Lover." Yeah, and try to figure out which song that one Worked. applies to. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's time to uh, flip over the album. Everybody ready? Strap in. It's time to flip over the album. Album. So here we are, side two. The The High Priest of Rhythmic rhythmic Noise. noise. A song that later became a comic book, right? Didn't Robin put out a comic book based on this?
3: Did he? There is a comic book, and I recall seeing it.
1: But I know that he's talked about it, and I think he did some comic convention stuff. But...
2: do without the vocorder but it's a really cool song and like the don't stand up shut up sit down part is awesome um yeah i like it a lot but (laughs) high priest of rhythmic noise the song title is kind of ludicrous and the voc the vocorder stuff you know like i said i can do without but yeah it's great
1: again i could hear this on -on one-on-one quite easily david what do you think of the track
3: uh, I think it's great. I, I like the whole sci-fi aspect about it because uh, I'm totally into sci-fi stuff. Uh, I like the vocoder a lot. Um, the concept of it, High Priest of Rhythmic Noise, uh, that middle part is great. Um, I think it's really fun. I like how the energy. Um, yeah, I think this, this, you know, the whole sci-fi thing is was a big part of why I liked it, and like, conceptually of my enjoyment of it.
2: I would love to see them do this song live. I'd love to see Robin, <laughs> you know, scream those parts and stuff. That would be awesome. I've never seen them do it live.
1: You really love when Robin shreds his voice, don't you? Like when well, he really I love everything Robin
3: it. does, but yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> Very
3: cool. Oh, yeah, I just sent the link to the comic book. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. It's oh, It's like wow. actually the comic book, so.
1: Forever is a long, long by Robin Zauer- Zander, Matt Bowers, and Tim Bowers. Very cool. Well, we're going to have to share this with our Facebook friends. Okay. Neat. It was a very interesting choice to kick off Side 2 for sure. It, it, it's one of those songs that like has kind of stuck with me throughout the years. It wasn't something that I actually enjoyed at the time. But I've really learned to come to appreciate it over the years.
3: Yeah, I think uh, it's another example like Rick, Rick with his ascending and descending riffs, and this is this is the ascending version. And uh, I I just love it, like like the uh, it's just how it puts together and it, it works well. I think as far and as it's the another
2: it's, it's another example of nothing else sounds like this. What other band would do a song like this? You know, it's just it's only Rick Nielsen and Cheap Trick.
1: Okay, let's go to uh, the second track on side two. Love comes a-tumbling down. I could hear this one being on Drinkly.
0: longer aided by the healing forces of music. It most definitely overcomes all weakening aspects of the body. I'd have felt quite lost and distraught without those wonderful vinyl productions. I'm convinced it's an addiction. I feel just great again. Thank you, Chicago, Illinois.
2: awesome song i love it um and i guess i think bon scott died in february of 1980 i guess when they were in the studio recording i think and then rick i guess wrote the song right away i think that's the timeline i think it happened right then when they were in the studio so and rick uh, Rick says in the book that his house burned down the same day that bon scott died or something wow
3: that's a crappy week for him
0: yeah wow
3: it's it's I think it's just odd, the whole connection of bands that I really like, liking ACDC, and then the Cheap Trick connection with it. But then the guys from uh, uh, Pete Way and Phil Mogg being with Bon Scott before he, you know, they were the last people that were with them before he died. So just kind of a weird deal there.
1: It would have been neat to hear ACDC actually cover this.
2: And the song was written as Life Comes a Tumbling Down, but then Rick said he changed it because he just didn't like I don't know why he didn't like the word life in there so he changed it to love comes a tumbling down but
1: well don't you think that it would make it more accessible to people cuz yeah. if you if you write a song called life comes tumbling down that people may not gravitate to probably just we really like songs about love we really do as a as a as a species we seem to really like songs about love and things like that love is something we all strive for so it makes a lot of sense yeah, Love Comes Tumbling Down, a really, really good, strong track. And it makes me sad that some of the songs that could have been on this album weren't. Uh, for example, Such a Good Girl and Take Me, I'm Yours. I would love to have had them on this album. What about you? What do you guys think about that?
2: You know, yeah, actually I was thinking the same thing at one point. that We were talking about how the album doesn't have a single, and imagine Such a Good Girl as the single... From the record.
1: Damn you! You hit it. There's a and reason yeah, in, I in let you opinion, hang around with me, and this is why. This is why I let you hang around with me right here. You're a genius. <laughs> You're like Gilligan. Oh, you did it again, little buddy.
2: <laughs> well, and in my opinion, if it would be the best song on the record.
1: Oh, you know. holy crap, man!
2: But that's just
1: you. Just nailed it.
2: But I don't know about "Take Me I'm Yours" on here.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah, I think uh, he's such a good girl is a and. Love Comes Tumbling Down are both more traditional sounding cheap trick and maybe the reason they're not on here is because this record is less supposed to be less about that. I'm I I'm not maybe on their decision of not including that uh, as they're a little more like the previous record songs. So maybe they were just artistically thinking they could do what they wanted because of the success of uh, Dream Police and and Budokan.
2: Yeah, well that's one thing i really wish i knew is when such a good girl was written because the, what does it say on the the inch that it was 1976 but that's not true no it's not true and i think it was a new song probably but and what a great song you know
1: and it's basically and, um, thrown away buried on that uh found all the parts ep i mean how many people are going to go out and buy a four song ep with an additional 45 unless you were a big cheap trick fan it basically was something that was for the people that were already in your audience i don't think it was something that was set up to reach beyond your core audience
3: no that's true i mean even think about the the inner uh the little circle artwork that had there's two different versions with the faces on it Mm um And I mm-hmm. actually
2: have I actually have a 12-inch version of that. Too. I have two
3: 10s and a 12. I have both 10-inches and the 12.
1: Stop bragging. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we are still talking about albums, right? Okay. Uh anyhow. Yes. Uh but yeah, such a good girl would have been killer on this album and as you put it so well that it should have been the single. Wow, this could have turned this album around a bit more. Oh, what might yeah. have been. What should have been what could have
3: been, I gotta wonder what happens with the production though, since I mean it's it's Jack Douglas, yeah, versus... that was
2: produced by Jack Douglas, right, yeah, so even though they claim it was from nineteen seventy six we know <laughs> that it was recorded in nineteen eighty with Jack Douglas, mm-hmm. and take me I'm yours actually was a song that they did like back in nineteen seventy five
3: yeah i I have that on a some cassette I had of just old cheap trick stuff, but yeah.
1: Well, let's go on to the next track, I Love You, Honey, But I Hate Your Friends.
4: This next song is a very true story. It rings true with every house I've invaded. This one's called I Love You, Honey, But I Hate Your Friends.
1: it to cheap trick to uh you know they have the Beatles producers with them and they wind up doing what could be a stone song it's kind of bizarre bj what do you think about that
2: yeah i don't really care about this song you know i would i would not really ever listen to it um it's more like a novelty song you know and they, they say, you know, Rick and maybe Bunny, they talk about in the book about how it was their faces or Rod Stewart song. But yeah, I think it's much more, it sounds much more like well, a sto-
1: Wait, now song. that you say that, I could hear Rod Stewart doing this too. Yeah, I
2: definitely could hear Rod Stewart doing it.
1: It's, it's that Stones' faces kind of a thing. Yeah, I, I could yeah. definitely hear that. But yeah, I also think of the Stones. It's but yeah. funny,
2: you know, it's, it's Rick's sense of humor and everything, but it's just a novelty song to me.
3: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I. I one reason i liked that i had a girlfriend uh, a few years later that i hated all her friends and this <laughs> was just i thought it was hilarious but god don't we it, all it have that situation
1: at some point seriously we all have that at some the one thing that kind of makes me laugh you know you talk about weird things that rick does and uh, but the part where he goes, let's dance, and, you know, he has, Rob- Robin sings, let's dance, and it's got that, it just sounds so yeah. weird right there. I almost could imagine Rick, like, do you guys remember, um, Jim Carrey in, uh, Ace Ventura, where he's at that metal club, and he's doing, like, that old 40s bossa nova kind of thing, while they're playing, like, extreme heavy metal at the time? I could see Rick doing that as well, but, uh.
3: Yeah, that's I, I would agree. That's like the one weird thing. It's like this, you know, kind of whatever rock and roll sleazy rock and roll kind of thing, and then weird staccato thing happens in the middle of it. But
1: right, it's it that it goes back to that thing that where, as much as I love it, I I wonder if it ever worked against them being so clever. You know what I'm saying? There's a fine line between stupid and clever isn't there, but um. You know, they they always would throw in these weird things, like, to me, it could be about serial killers in a love song, you know what I'm saying? And people would be like, I right. really like this song until it gets to the point about, like, you know, the crazy part. So, yeah, it, it, it's a real straight-ahead rocker, and then it gets to that, and it kind of, it's almost like the record skipping, in a way.
2: Yeah, and look at the original lyrics of Surrender.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, which we played on our last episode, which... Go back and listen to that. The interview with Mike Hayes. You need to listen to that. Then we move up to our next track. Go for the throat. Use your own imagination. I love the strings. The psycho strings, if you will. There's uh, someone with a knife on the other side of the shower curtain. Tree creep, treat tree kind of thing. BJ, what do you think of Go for the throat. Use your own imagination?
2: Well, I would say what you have here at the end of the album are the three worst songs okay. <laughs> on the record oh. Oh. probably on purpose maybe <laughs> but yeah it's i don't it just doesn't have a great hook um it's it's like you almost feel like they're almost there it's almost there but it just doesn't quite come together for me it's not bad but yeah i think it's one of the worst songs on the album
1: well tom goes out in rare form on this i love the bass in this yeah excellent bass and robin uh, outstanding everybody's firing on all cylinders and you even have that um you can use your own imagination with rick's uh background vocals so yeah you, you've cool.
2: been saying about uh these songs uh, would fit on other albums well this one would fit on the doctor <laughs> oh
1: that wow. is that, no it's not that bad wow <laughs> <coughs> Well no, I don't mean that. I don't
2: mean I and the, think about it. Put this song I love concert. this song. I don't
3: <laughs>
1: The game will you listen to me if I shout at this times great. Yeah, that that uh, is a great lyric right there. Excellent. I love this song.
3: I the Rick's vocals energy uh, this uh, And this is I was kind of thinking and BJ you saying you don't like it. I'm like, "Oh, this is one of the reasons I really like this record and this you're the last 3 you don't like this record, but I think the song's great. I love it. The whole the way it works and um, I don't have a problem looking for Uh, the hook i guess i just i i like it and uh, this is another song that screams cheap track like no one's doing this but cheap track i would i would agree with that (laughs) this is rick nielsen just
2: being a lunatic (laughs) which yeah of course i love but uh i don't know it just doesn't have the hook or something i don't hate the song it's it would be the third worst song in the album you know if you're counting who king you know who king's worst the worst love you honey's next and then this would be my third least favorite I would say. But
1: Well, everybody can be against this school of thought or embrace it. I tend to embrace it for what it is but there's the A material and then there's the B material. As much as I love it this is a B material thing. Uh, the A material is of course all the things that, you know, when we're arguing about set lists, they could never do surrender again and I'd be happy. Well, you're a cheap trick nerd and <laughs> the real people don't feel that way, but you do and that's cool and you embrace it and we love you for it, but it's it's you know, so this is definitely B material, but a lot of my favorite cheap trick stuff is the B stuff, if you will. And so David and I kind of agree on go for the throat, use your own imagination. We side against you, BJ, you are no sweet genius. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Uh I think we're going to do the last track of the album and I can only say "ula Oula. Oula. Think of a song that I've actually played for a lot of people. Just like, can you believe this? This, yeah, this was actually recorded on an album. BJ, what do you think of Huda King?
2: Well, it's not even a song, you know. So,
1: <laughs> well, it's, <laughs> if it's not a song, what is it?
2: It's a bunch of drums with chanting <laughs> over the top. <laughs> yeah, but well, oh, okay, okay. In some cultures, that's a song. <laughs> yeah. It's not a rock and roll song, though.
1: But Bunny got a songwriting credit for it. No,
2: I get a kick out of it, and I love Bunny, and, you know, it's funny, but, you know, it's not a song.
1: (laughs) I love drums, and I enjoy it, but there's a certain melancholy thing to me. It's like, okay, the album's over. I think it's one of the worst album closers in history, but one of the best album closers at the same time. I don't know where the hell else you'd put it. Except well, on a B you know, side. Think,
2: if this is a B-side, then you're like, you know, that's hilarious. That's an awesome B-side. But yeah, it, you know, if it's taking up a place on an in the album where they could have put everything works if you let it or such a good girl, then it's almost an atrocity. It's yeah. like, what, well, get this off of there, you know, get such a good girl on here. But somewhere a tear is running down
1: Bunny's cheek because of you. <laughs>
3: Well, and it, for me this was a thing. My brother and I thought it was hilarious. So, I have a weird soft spot for it, but it's it's not really anything. It's I kind of consider this album to have nine songs. So,
2: yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Very cool. Very cool. So, how would you rate this album as far as like you love this album? It's in your top 5. It's in your bottom 5. Where where would it reach for you guys?
2: Of Cheap Trick albums? Yes. Um i don't think it's in the bottom five but it's not in the top it's in the middle for me yeah well like uh, i said i it's i like the first four albums and the next three all better okay. and i definitely like rockford better and yeah it's definitely in the bottom half well into the bottom half for me
1: david what do you uh, think
3: i this is probably top five for me i lo- i Love this record. I, I, I a lot of my comments is like, I don't know. I love this song, but I, I really enjoy it as a whole. And like I said, I prefer it over Dream Police. Um, yeah, I probably have to go. It's probably in the top five. It's at least in the in the in the top era, in the top area, as opposed to BJ's bottom half. So
2: well, you know, there are some clunkers on Dream Police for me. There are some songs I don't really like on there. Um, I, I but would agree with that. The good, the good songs on Dream Police are so much better than All Shook Up, in my opinion. Right. You know, Way of the World, for me, is so much better than anything on All Shook Up. It's not even close. Mm-hmm. So that's what kind of sets Dream Police apart for me. It, that's well, just my opinion.
1: And that ends our discussion on All Shook Up. We hope you enjoyed it. We'd like to thank our panelists and our combatants at times. And none of us are sweet geniuses, but we try. We can't help it but we're going to try so you know we keep going on uh, thank you BJ and thank you David thanks for having thank me you, Ken and as usual everybody keep cheap trick and see you next month bye and
0: that's our show trick chat is an online nonprofit audio fanzine made by fans for fans any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners we are not related to cheap trick or any of their members past or present if you hear anything you like from the band go on Amazon or iTunes to buy it If you enjoyed this show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying keep cheap trickin."
3: Dean, can you you honestly tell me that you forgot? Forgot the magnetism of Robin Zander or the charisma of Rick Nielsen? That's kid stuff. Kid stuff? How about the tunes?
0: I want you to want me. The dream police, da na 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 Your mama's all right, your daddy's all right, but just seem a little bit we Surrender. Hi. Can I talk to you for a sec?
1: Well, now, St- Stacey, I- I'm doing business. Hello? Dave? Abort, abort, we've lost Dave. <laughs> I think he died. <laughs>
2: I think his garage door collapsed on him or something. Yeah, I
1: think the gorilla <laughs> finally got him. Here, I'm going to try it again. Hello, this is Ken saying nothing. There, I'm going to shout through the entire episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be anywhere. Um, yeah. Thing, and we're doing everything we can to get that thing made. Is there an... What in God's name is that? Yeah. C- can you guys hold on a second?
0: Yeah. Sure. All
1: right. Come
0: on in. Shut up.